Today, we're going to be talking about something that brings together people from different parts of the world. And literally right now, as I speak, we are across the oceans. I'm speaking here with writer, director, producer, Joe Chim, an old friend of mine from Hong Kong who is still chiming in in Hong Kong now. And I'm actually in San Fran, of course, on behalf of K2H. We're talking today about Joe's new film, her first film. This is really exciting because when you talk to a filmmaker, you want to know about their vision, why they were compelled to make a story, and um, how that process was. But before we get into all that nitty-gritty, let's talk about who Joe is first. Hey, welcome, Joe Jim. <coughs> Hi, <laughs> Crystal. Yeah. Hi. <laughs> um, so let's tell our K2H peoples who you are, where are you from, what are you about, what do you want to tell us? Sure. Um, well, I'm a Chinese Canadian woman. That's how I identify. Um, and I, well, I was born in Hong Kong, but raised in different parts of the world. So I had a really weird upbringing where I was raised in different parts of West Africa and then Canada, then the US, and, uh, and then would come back to Hong Kong for the summers and stuff for holidays. Um, so I've been here now for the past, gosh, 12 years. Uh, Hong Kong has been my base for the last 12 years. Um, but prior to that, I was in Toronto for eight years. And prior to that, I was in Hong Kong. And then prior to that, I was in the States. I, most of my upbringing was in Canada and the States. So I'm kind of, I would say I'm primarily North American in terms okay. of culture. But still, even though you say primarily, it's like a mishmash of so many things. It's so interesting, you know, West Africa to Toronto in the US. I mean, so that's exactly it. My, I guess my big thing, now that you kind of lay out your complex, you know, makeup is that I have an issue with people labeling Asian American. Like it just puts us all under mm. one umbrella. And yet we're so many different things put together, mm. even within the Asian culture. Like, you know, if somebody mm. was like, half Korean and half Japanese, for example, they, people, the larger world doesn't know the, or care to distinguish. It's just, oh, she's Asian, right? They ethnically. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, let's, let's kick off the conversation with what you feel about, you, I guess in the Hong Kong, multiculturalism is kind of a, a, a norm almost because mm. you take it for granted that people are coming from all over the world. If kids go to international schools, you're going to meet people from mm. literally all over the world and everyone's all mixed up and, and yeah. that's part of it. But here in the US, strangely enough, as much as it was the ideal melting pot, it's become like these most um, race, racially hypersensitive, divisive mm. kind of a country. Mm. So I wanted mm -hmm. to start there with what you felt about that. Yeah, it's it's definitely interesting in the sense that, um, you know, as you probably know, I I've always been kind of the outsider, um, to the point where I I kind of I kind of revel in that in the sense that when I'm in North America I feel much more Asian, <laughs> but when I'm in in Asia and Hong Kong then I feel much more North American. Right. Right. But right, I kind of. You know what I mean? But yeah. I kind of like that because I feel like I can kind of cross in and out. And I do think Hong Kong is actually a wonderful city for that because it is very bicultural and it is very, you, you can have a very international life, but you can also have a very local life. Like my parents retired here. And so through my parents and my relatives, I can have, I can access a very um, local Chinese, Cantonese. And, and you Cantonese speak Chinese, is actually, right? you Cantonese speak is actually my yeah. mother tongue. I wouldn't oh, say really? it's my first 
Yeah, that's okay. the first language I, I spoke that I learned, but I never studied in it. I never went to school in it. And so in terms of my expression, it's kind of, it's gotten a lot better, but uh, for, for a long time, it was really just my kind of childhood hmm. language. Like it never got above college level. You know, right. now that I've been back for 12 years, it's improved, but when I really want to articulate something eloquent or something with nuance, yeah, I find it hard. You yeah. know, I find it hard to really pin down the, well, the, the intricacies of that. Yeah, well, language is a tricky thing, right? Um, mm. But let's let's piggyback off that idea a little bit. You did mention that you said you felt like an outsider, but you 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 use that card, right? Um, and and I like I said, I I totally understand what you're saying because as a I guess Asian American moving to Hong Kong back in the days, you know, mm. I was kind of the outsider in too. Um, and um, just to give a teaser of your film, uh, One Small Visit, it, it explores, you know, an immigrant family kind of traveling and exploring the U.S., um, a foreign territory, right? And um, being an outsider looking into many places, and this applies to everyone who feels like they've been an outsider to anything, right? It could be a, mm. a, a gender structure, it could mm. be a racial structure, or, or, you know, go in to visit a country, really, and not under, knowing a thing about it so um there i guess there are different ways to approach a foreignness of something but you're saying that you kind of mm -hmm. use that to your advantage um do you want to elaborate on what how that works i i think um i think in i think there's a when you've i think there's a there's a thing where when you have traveled and you've and you've gone to different parts of the world you become a little more forgiving of people's ignorance in a way really yeah. so you, you uh, sometimes i feel like sometimes i'm not as um i think especially now things are so polarized around the world right but i think in many times uh that kind of what I like to call as a person, as a person of color, that casual racism that we all kind of have encountered throughout our lives, whether that just be microaggressions. Um, I try to kind of give the benefit of a doubt in the sense that sometimes a lot of it is just caused by ignorance and curiosity as opposed to an ill intent of someone really wanting to do you harm. Right. Um, and I say that because having traveled to China with my Western friends who are blonde and blue eyed, where they're like mauled, <laughs> you know, yeah. or very like, curious oh, objects. Can I touch your hair? Oh, your yeah. hair. Can I touch your hair? You know, yeah. or being totally stared at. Yeah. It, yeah. Is, it is just a curiosity factor rather than a miss, you know, a cause to do you harm or insult, right? And so having, you know, been around the world like that and I, I I you know it's funny because as much as I think I am Asian American like we're Chinese Canadian which is how I always identify myself you know even when I was growing up I remember being really mad at my dad at one point because when I was nine or ten he had said to me because we're, we're Chinese immigrants right and and I'm I'm not I'm not even first born I was born in Hong Kong and he said to me when I was nine or ten he said no matter where you go you're always going to be judged by the color of your skin. You're always going to be yellow first. Mm. Um, and at the time I thought, well, that's limiting. You know, <laughs> I, I was like, I thought, I, I thought at the time that he was trying to limit what I could become or be. 
But now that I'm a mother myself, hmm. and your husband is I French, should, right? And my husband is French Canadian. Yeah. Right. So I have multi, you know, right. uh, bicultural, biracial kids. Right. But now that I'm a mother myself and a parent myself, I realized what he was actually doing was kind of just Protecting. preparing me mm. for the world, you mm. know, and, and preparing me for the toughness that is the world. That until I open my mouth, people are going to think I'm Asian. They're not going to think I'm Asian American. They're not going to think I'm, right. you know, no matter what yeah. happens. That's so interesting you say yeah. that because, you know, I traveled to New York recently. And of course, the elevator of the hotel, some guy looks at me and goes, hmm, let me guess. Korean. You know, I, I was like, I cringe inside. Okay, I'm going to want to control myself. I've got to come up with a smarter answer. But yeah. dang, why do we always get that? Yeah. And and that, where, where are you from? It's yeah. such a loaded question. Because really you, you have so to gauge, passive. right? It's, you gauge, you're like, are you really interested in where I'm from? Because I have a complicated past. So yeah. are you really interested or you want me to give you the easy definition so yeah. you can just go yeah. Korean, Chinese, yeah. Philippine? Or, you know, and, and I always like to subvert that. Like, I remember being in Rome uh, yeah. a couple of years ago and I was with the white, my white friend. Yeah. And of course, the Italian people came up to me. They're like, where are you from? And I'm like, Canada. And they went to her. Where are you from? She said, Hong Kong. And they were like, <laughs> They're like what? <laughs> They're I don't like, get what? it. They just yeah. couldn't compute. But this goes back it's to like your process that, that they lacked the ignorance, right? You can't blame them for yeah. that. It wasn't yeah. malintentioned. Yeah. It wasn't necessarily malintention, but I also just have to gauge, like, do you want the easy answer? Do you right. want the complicated answer? Right. Are you really right. interested in me? Or are you just interested in having a definition yeah. that you can go to? And, you know, can we talk about like the old dating that? scenes? Because this reminds me of like those old stupid pickup lines. I mean, how many times have you ever had a guy come up to you back in the days <laughs> where they'd say, Oh, your English is so good. Oh my, oh my God. God. This happened to me so many times in Hong Kong. This was my, but okay. So colonial place. Yes. Okay. Lots of British guys who don't know a thing about like Asian American girls. Okay. Yeah. There were only a few of us back then, but still, I mean, it's, I hear people say that now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Even my fourth generation Asian American general manager of the club I belong to actually said, <laughs> wow, your English is so good. Cause I told him I went from Hong Kong. All right. <laughs> Where do we even begin? Yeah, no, okay. I mean, there's so much of that. You know, so let's move on. Let's move on. I mean, we opened up this whole kind of, uh, you know, uh, uh, I guess, uh, is, is it, is it a can of worms? Maybe. Um, racism, yes, indeed. But we're talking from an immigrant perspective on colorism, which I thought was also very um, important. And you mentioned earlier that you are you lived in West Africa for a while. And then you talked about colorism and your dad's note of to, to you that you, know, you are judged by the color of your skin. So um, I want to know what you think about, so writing off this colorism theme, you know, when you and your white girlfriends, blonde girlfriends go to China and they're a curiosity to people. That seems like it's not, it's not a dangerous hassle, but if you're black and you go to a place like China and you're harassed and you're not being seen as a curiosity in a fascinating and a positive way, it's like, oh no, don't, don't touch her or look at, her, you know, or oh, let's move a little way. You know, these are all kind of these in, internal biases that, that happen um, so often and, and, and in such vulgar ways um hmm. what are your thoughts on that 
again, it, it is very much it, context, right? And, and I think it's judged, you judge, I think, I mean, it's definitely like, I had a black friend, a female friend who um, lived in Hong Kong and the, the kind of daily racism that she faced was atrocious. And, and she, was, she was sexually harassed on the subway, mm. you, know, you know, groped, mm. completely groped by strangers and in a crowded subway and it was, and she had to get out and, and I understand that. And I understand why for her, it was very, very hard. Um, and so, but like what you say about colorism, right? You probably have this too. I, ha I have it in my own family, even just within the Asian community, Asians, within the right. Chinese community, yeah. right? Like, Darker oh, I, I, I tan like crazy <laughs> in the yeah. summer and then yeah. I'm constantly oh don't get so dark because you're gonna be looked at as Filipino or Filipino I used to or... be swept to the other line when we come to the U.S. you know how they the immigrant line <laughs> the resident line they didn't even look yeah. at U.S. passport they looked at how dark it was they go over there how racist yeah. is that <laughs> it completely completely right. and I've had many I remember coming back a few summers and being very tan and there you know the Chinese would be like oh the bun moi you know the Filipino, yeah, the Filipino girl, girl like yeah. like talk right in front of me in Cantonese <laughs> like I didn't understand that what was saying you know yeah. you know and so and even my parent my mom for the longest time was just like covering herself with hats yes, or making sure she's just like why do you get so dark right this is hor you know you really yeah. can't get so dark yeah I'm like I'm fine I don't care I like being tan you know and so, there, so is a that a Western concept? Chinese. Wanting to be tan, is that a Western notion or a Western influence? Because you don't see um, I, Chinese people in Hong Kong and China going, oh, I can't yeah. tan. Well, Mostly. but we also grew up in the, in the 80s where you're like baking yourself. With oh, thank you, Joe. Thank you for calling that out. <laughs> okay, me. I, you know what I mean? Like, I didn't put sunblock on. I, I, if anything, I put baby oil on and try to get as tan yeah, as possible. Oh, gosh, like, that cheap oil stuff, right? Yeah. That okay. cheap oil stuff, right? So like that whole sun prevention center or prevention. Yeah, but that's still a Western knew. influence though, right? Yeah. Kind of yeah. 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 For yeah. sure, for sure. Um, yeah, Hong Kong people still feel that, you know, the sun is your enemy, not your friend. And that's how they, yeah. that's how the narrative goes, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But there is. But that's I mean, changing, that's changing a bit. Yeah. That's changing a bit yeah. now with the younger generation. That's I don't true. see it that's as true. much. But classism yeah. is kind of um, associated with colorism, right? It's all right. Defined, especially in places like Hong Kong, where there is a, yeah. a large community of um, South Asian and Southeast Asian um people living there right yeah 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 so yeah, yeah. I, I mean this so this story involves you know an Indian family traveling to the middle of nowhere and I want you to delight our audience in the premise of the story and how it came to be but first let's take a quick break um, if people are tuning in right now I'm talking to Joe Chim the writer director and producer of a lovely short film called uh, One Small Visit and it's going to be showing at the LA Shorts International Fest Film Festival uh, coming up from July 21st to the 28th so um, don't go away because we're going to come back and we're going to learn more about uh, this really lovely film. <coughs> I'm back here with Joe Chim all the way in Hong Kong, and she's gonna, you know, it was so fun just chatting like, like, 
that as old friends do about the past and you know we we've been, <laughs> we've been through each other's uh spaces um i don't know so much party spaces but just like in spaces in life and that's where you you really kind of see how people develop and, and 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 you see people who when their dreams kind of um happen and this is one of them and it's really wonderful to see uh joe's work here and joe again welcome to re a welcome to k2h um <laughs> I'm loving our conversation about colorism and um, and the immigrant story. And we were just left off before the break about, you know, especially people from Southeast Asia and South Asia in Hong Kong uh, struggling with that type of colorism and racism there. So this brings us to your film because the uh, story centers around an Indian family. So can you just give a little premise of what it's about and how this came to be? Sure. Um, so One Small Visit is a uh, based on the true story. It's a true story of my really dear friend, Anisha Abraham and her family, who are um, Indian American uh, from East India. <laughs> um, and so uh, they, uh, they were in the US already in 1969 at the time of the moon landing. And um, they watched the moon landing on TV and they were completely mesmerized by it like the rest of the world. And then a few months later, they were traveling through Wapakoneta, Ohio on their way to visit some friends. And this is like middle America, small town population of 5,000. And they passed this sign that said Wapakoneta, home of Neil Armstrong, the first man on the moon. And the, uh, Anisha's grandma was, was especially entranced. And so she said, let's make a stop. So the rest of the afternoon is them somehow finding out that Neil Armstrong's parents still live there. And so they end up finding Neil Armstrong's parents home, making a stop and end up on the doorstep of the Armstrong home. Um, so it's this little lovely adventure um, that was recounted to me over a dinner party more than 10 years ago. Uh, Anisha and I have been very dear friends ever since you know we both lived in Hong Kong at the same time and it just always stayed with me and I just thought it was such a beautiful story of openness and kindness and curiosity and tolerance and I just felt it was such a parable for our time today where you know the 60s were very much in political turmoil social turmoil um very divided uh you know Vietnam War was happening um civil rights movement and it, the 1969 really capped a decade of that tumult. And, and so, so when I looked into it, I thought, well, you know, this is very similar to what's happening to, around the world mm. today. This polarization we see globally. And I just found it to be such a, a beautiful little parable of how, you know, I feel like nowadays people are so politically polarized that we don't really yeah. see each other for in our multitudes. I think we see each other many times now, and, the, and this happens globally too, and I'm not just mm. talking about the US or Canada, where um, people are so um, interpreted through their political stance mm. that anything else kind of falls away by the wayside. And we don't really see, because we already make judgments, we already make yeah. biases. Right. And I felt, you know, and I feel like this one, this tale shows us, you know, we kind of need to move beyond that and we need to like see people in their multitude in their in their different selves and you know you can be a liberal and and right. have different 
interests or common interests, or you can be a Republican or right. you can be a conservative and still have things in common yeah. uh, as opposed to kind of just pushing each other away based on your politics. Right. And I feel like nowadays, nuance, a lot of nuance is left out of conversations. A lot of the gray area is left out. And I right. kind of love so when you return to the gray. Yeah, I love gray areas because that's where the interesting thing happens. And um, I guess you have to create that um, based off of the seed idea. Um, but you're, you're lucky you have Anisha to tell you these stories. But how much of it did you have to craft to create? Because you're not, um, this is your first film. You've been in the media business, but you haven't, and you're actually an actress. And, you know, I remember you doing little things here and there. So, um, how does this work into like how, how did you put the story together did you work with Anisha and, and just get everything she she had to tell you and then you kind of you know did the yeah um yeah I, I was an actress for a good 12 years mm. and during that time I helped uh, found a theater company in Toronto called uh, Fujian mm -hmm. and so it was the first Asian American not the first but one of the uh Asian American theater companies in Toronto um so I'd been writing plays I've been writing scenes and plays, uh, but I'd never written a screenplay. Right. And then I think when I came here in uh, back in 2009, I started working in a, a events management company. And also what I do now is I, I manage a creative studio where it's all about content. So for the last 10 years, I've really, really delved in in short form videos that mm -hmm. are under three minutes. And so I had experience putting together a lot of those shoots. I've always had experience as a producer okay um, but this is the first time I've actually like written a narrative short so most of the stuff I do is more documentary or more branding right. this is the first time where it's like a story yeah. and so it was amazing working with uh, Anisha's parents because they're still alive right, right. so her dad where, where do they live now they live in Delaware okay and so uh, a few years ago, when the story came up again, her, her mom, she said, Anisha said, you really should talk to my mom. And so I spend all my summers in Quebec. Uh, and so Quebec is very close to Delaware. And I spent, I picked up the phone, we talked, gosh, two and a half hours and went mm -hmm. by and, and it just was such a visual story. And at first I thought I would write a short story about it, but the more I started writing it, um, the dialogue, just within terms of the dialogue and the visuals, the visuals really stayed with me um, that I thought this has to be told visually because right. some of the images were so- well, You already saw the picture in your head when you were- kind Yeah, of when she was head. telling me the story, yeah. I already was envisioning it. I right. saw certain scenes completely. Right. Yeah. And so, so um, most of it, I mean, obviously I had to, as you know, that you do have to have creative license in terms of- um, certain speeches or dialogue sure. but all the events are very very true right and and so I just kind of adjusted the timeline yeah. of when the events occurred so that I could do a, you yeah. know follow it in a kind of dramatic arc so there um, is a dramatic arc where um the husband um and if I may, to kind of explain that he gets a little bit hypersensitive because he's had an experience, previous racial, racial experience, uh, discrimination. Um, and so that kind of speaks to what we were talking about in the first part about, you know, mm. these, this, this really prevalent um, uh, 
embedded racism in, in this country and, and of course globally too, but in this specific case, you know, um, can you can you tell us a little bit more about that? What what the premise was um, yep. and, and how that kind of really speaks to a lot of people's experiences in here as, as immigrants and, and darker skin yeah. immigrants. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it was very interesting because um, uh, OC, Anisha's father, came um, 1960. So you can imagine how, you know, so much of the U.S. is black or white. No one knew what to make of this guy. <laughs> and so he had fascinating tons of stories. I included like one or two that I could fit into the short film. But he would tell me all these stories about being on campus and it was relatively okay on campus because he went to uh, school in Iowa or Idaho, Iowa, when I always get those dates mixed up, but I think it was Iowa. <laughs> <Me> too. <laughs> it's so bad. And, um, and he said on campus it was fine, but he never dared going off campus. And he said, and, and so he aligned himself with like the black community because he had to go get haircuts at the black barbershops because no one else would take him. But, right. you know, he said he actually never stepped foot into a McDonald's. He only ever wow. ordered through the drive-thru oh, because wow. he knew the moment he'd get, like, he, he'd be harassed or yeah. there'd be suspicious stares. Now, what's fascinating about that was that was 1960 and the Civil Rights Act came in 1965. Yeah. So by the time his wife came, um, Nirmala came in 1967, things had moved quite dramatically so she didn't experience as much racism as he did she still did yeah, but yeah. not to the same degree yeah. and by the time the grandmother came in 1969 that was the year the moon landing happened so then all of that kind of like you know became America became this land of optimism you know mm. in that maybe just for those few months that it happened and this land of because the moon landing really did unify the country in many many ways and mm. so so she had a completely different experience. Um, and so I think that was one thing I was very um, deliberate about is pitching the three main characters and their experience of racism through that lens. Because right. I think each of us experience things, well, each of us perceive things based on our experiences, of course. right? And so because they each had different experiences, the way they perceived, you know, the surroundings um, and things that are happening to them um, in different ways. And so, like you said, the father was hypersensitive, whether or not things were really happening to him, he already was tense. You know, yes. he was in a small town. <laughs> it was yes. 1969. Yes. He's not going to take a chance because it's dangerous. He's not going to take I mean, a chance. Yeah. Because yeah. he's been burnt, you know. And, and the thing is, we don't realize that, especially the younger generation. You know, we, and you don't have to necessarily live through it, but the news and everything around you, uh, and, and it's just, and it depends on where your perspective is. You know, if you're a black person growing up in the South, you know darn well that, you know, there are these, these, fears that you were trained to to you know to work with and as an asian though i would say we don't have the same kind of fears it's it's like we have discrimination but it's not a violence against our bodies there's yeah. an attack against people of color and you know people wonder oh why is all that you know black lives matter it's so much yeah. you know yeah. it's just too much but they don't recognize and fully comprehend the extent of this disastrous idea of race right mm -hmm, mm -hmm. exactly and, and how triggering some things are because 
your experience of it if you've never experienced that you don't know the triggers for it right right and so and so yeah, yeah. So, so I just wanted to say that your film encapsulates a lot of um, deeper issues, but in a lighter tone, like you say, that brings together like this, this, this lovely encounter of um, Neil Armstrong's parents and this um, immigrant family traveling in the middle of nowhere where they stick out like a sore thumb, right? Where she doesn't even know well, that was ice cream. No. Well, and that was the image that really captivated me. Imagine mm -hmm. 1969 in a town yeah. where, you know, small town to 5,000 and these Indian women were dressed in their full-on saris you know yeah. like they just must have been aliens completely these bejeweled aliens I think they still be and, looking like aliens here like in Hawaii they would look like aliens it's so unfortunate <laughs> I think the U.S. is so closed off we're so you know um homogenous in a way like what is us like right everybody has to be wearing certain things and 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 then it becomes exoticized because of the way media portrays certain things and others everything that's not all american and so then mm. it goes and reinforces where we started with in the our in our conversation about people going oh well where are you really from like oh so mm -hmm. do we have to have our saris on to tell people where we're from or if we do have it on mm. does that label us in a way and do people intentionally avoid that because they they don't want to deal with that hassle of people assuming things and it just goes goes on and on mm -hmm. and it was interesting because when i was doing the research for the town i remember coming upon this blog uh, it was this canadian journalist who went down to this town because this town is like six hours away from canada mm -hmm. and he went down right after the moon landing and you know he got there and he was welcomed by mrs armstrong who had a reputation of welcoming strangers she was Great. just a very generous Wonderful. lovely woman and she took in this stray canadian and um but he said when he was interviewing uh, the denizens around the town okay. <laughs> um you know it was like a norman rockwell town it was so picturesque okay. and everything was so cute and you know right. a small country it was like picture perfect yeah. and he said one telling factor was he introduced you know, he was introduced and um, and one of the one of the town citizens said to him, and you know what the best thing about this town is? He said, no, what? And, and the town citizen said, there are no black people here. And so this is 1969, right? So this is the town they're walking into, right? And yeah. so, yeah, so it's very, very interesting and I really wanted to explore that I wanted to explore that tension whether it was real or not I wanted to explore that tension yeah. um, of yeah what it feels like I don't think you've seen in many times what it feels like to be a person of color walking into a white dominated right. space yeah. right and what that feels like to be looked at, to be stared at, to be gawked at. Yeah, um, yeah. You know. yeah. The scene and, that you have, and I'm not going to give away a lot of it. I hope people have a chance to see it. You know, when they walk into that all-American diner, and everyone kind of like it's almost like slow motion when everyone just stops drinking their coffee and go, "What <laughs> the heck?" You know, and it's real. That happened to me. Yeah. <laughs> that, they, like in 19, that was in 1969. But I remember driving across the country. Yeah. Um, we decided to drive the long way back from LA back to Toronto and we went through all the towns like we went to Texas we went the long way we went uh -huh. to Texas and Louisiana yeah. and yeah. we'd go to places like Baton Rouge and here's me little Chinese American right. Chinese Canadian girl and my 
French husband who they thought was like white the moment they he yeah opened he's white white passing had an accent. Sure. <laughs> yeah he's white passing but then they open his mouth and he's like got this French accent and they're like what the hell well he's and a was, exotic on, in a different way right like, European way remember, like la la, you know the like la stupid la. American stuff I I remember walking through so many diners where you know everyone has just been staring at you yeah but yes. they pretend they haven't and they look <laughs> exactly they look like hey, you and feel down. their breath on you oh my gosh yeah <laughs> it's crazy it's crazy that we yeah. still have these conversations today like 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 nothing much has shifted it's sad and i think yes we've moved the needle a little bit but we need more and more stories like yours um where we can reframe um what people think they know right to introduce small little tender sweet stories that reveal these um historical um underpinnings of migrant movements um immigration you know immigrant experience and and history and larger global events so this is um this is pretty well, incredible that's one of the reasons that attracted me to this story yeah. right because on the one hand i, I love Anisha's family, and I think they're amazing. But what I really liked was everyone knows about the moon landing. Everyone's right. heard of the moon landing. It's right. a historical right. event, right? It's a global historical event. Right. One of the world's largest achievements, you know, it's it's a very historical event. But I I'm like sure that's not taught in China, China, though. Just want to say, right? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Except for China. Yeah, uh, of course. Um, but but what I loved is that this is now told through a very intimate perspective yes. of a group we rarely see in Western media, yes. and right? And, yes. and for me, there is a political bent to it. And, and I wrote this, my final draft, I wrote it you know, on the heels of all the anti-Asian violence in 2020. I finished my last draft in August, 2020. And I had been, and, and last year with the Atlanta killings in 20, that was 21, right? March um, and I, I remember that was 21. 2020, okay. I, I want to say. Tw Has it been 2020 was when the, the like Black the Lives Matter. Hate, right. Yeah, it started. Yeah. And 2021 in March was. Oh, okay. So I'd have written it. I'd already written it. But right, there right. was there was a point pointed out, out to us as, as Asian Americans, Canadians, and you know, Asian North Americans. Yeah. And also just British Asians too, right? Like we, sure. there's so much, so many of us are still perceived as the other. I We're know. still perceived as foreigners, as visitors to countries where we've, your family has been there for generations. Right. right? On my mom's side. You know, right. On yeah. your mom's side. Right. And, and, but we're always seen as visitors or foreigners yeah. who yeah. don't belong. Right. And I love this story because it shows that we do. And we've been here for a long time. Yes. You just haven't heard our stories. Right. And that's what I mean. We need to we need to flip the script. We need to create these new narratives to introduce these nuanced stories that open up people to go, oh, well, I didn't know this. You know, you want people to do that. So that's that's the beauty of it. And and, and it's also a beauty that you also uh, followed your dream to do a story that spoke to you. And it's also beautiful that um, you bring together, you know, your past, your friends, your life experiences and weave it into something um, as, a, as a small but compelling story. So brilliant and congratulations on this. Oh, thank you. So thank can we you. tell if it remind people again where people can watch the film One Small Visit? Yeah. Um, it's 
premiere in the Atlas, um, or, or world premiere, and it's at the LA uh, Shorts International Film Fest, and it will play on July 26th, Tuesday, July 26th, as part of a program at 3.45. And tickets go on sale tomorrow. Is uh, it in July person 14th. or is there a and virtual so people, aspect to it? Um, it's in person, it's in person. Um, okay, so, so anybody who happens to be in, in LA, person. we can yeah. see that <laughs> later this month, but how can people access it if they don't have uh, they're not there we're still we're still doing the festival circuit um okay. so we're hoping to like l is just one of the first stops and then um in the fall we hope and we hope to do a lot more of the east coast festivals and so you well, know you can, visit you can get website. to hawaii for the hawaii no, I, I, festival. yeah i'd love so you to come in and then you can come into our studio and we can have some more I fun i would love that because that's in november i just yep. i just found it that out so we yeah. hope to go to Hawaii um, and we'll we'll have like one small visit.com or um, actually our Instagram is probably the most up to date okay. like where we're going where we'll be showing Perfect. and then eventually you know hopefully Great. it'll get wider distribution and then we'll be able to see it online that's exciting somewhere. yeah absolutely yeah. we need more stories like this so this is great um if thank you're you, you so know much. i just want to thank you for being here and i wish anisha was here to join us but she'll have a chance to maybe share her thoughts on it another time um and people check it out watch out for joe's film one small visit and thank you so much for your time thank you